You made the rain, so when it falls on me, should I complain or feel you calling me? It's all on me to stay and really catch what you're showing. It's my roots that you're growing, cause life is more than this moment. You are Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person. Or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. You know, in 2019, Toby Mack, who this is Toby Mack's song, lost a son that was 21 years old to addiction, died of an overdose. I, I don't know how you deal with that. I don't know how you process life from that point. I don't know how you move forward living through something like that and trying to, to move forward. And people deal with it in different ways, right? There's different things you can do. I, I'm not sure. I, I Pretty certain y'all know who Eric Clapton is. Eric Clapton lost a, a, a child that was much, much younger than that um, in a horrible accident, and he wrote a song called Tears in Heaven. I'm, I'm sure y'all are familiar with that. And, and so everybody kind of deals with these things in, in different ways, and I wish I could, I wish I had, God has spoken to me in some way and, and had a nice little thing I could give you and say, look, if you go through this, here's what you can do, and everything will be okay, and you'll come out better on the other side, and it'll be okay, but I don't. And I don't even want to act like I have something to offer that is, that is helpful in that moment, other than I think we need to spend some time, like we talked about last year or last week, kind of living in, or two weeks ago, kind of living in being, figuring out what life is like in the tension and living in the tension of the moment. And so as we think about that, let's start here. C.S. Lewis was a, a prolific Christian writer. He wrote several books, uh, some fictional books, The Chronicles of Narnia, some other books, Screwtape Letters, things like that. He had a lot of one-liners that if you've seen people kind of in different places in life that had um, things to say, and you'll see them written around different places. And I don't think he ever meant for those one-liners to kind of stick, but there were people that were critical, and you can click to the next slide on that. There were people that were critical of, of C.S. Lewis and some of the things he was teaching, because he would teach the people who were kind of following him. He would say, look, when you think about life, think about what you dream of, what's at the end of life. And some people he would criticize him and say, look, that's, that's wishful thinking. You're, you're promoting wishful thinking, and that's not necessarily a helpful thing in this life. And he turned back probably one of those profound responses I've heard in a while. He said, not to think of it as wishful thinking, but rather as thoughtful wishing. Now, I realize there's some semantics at play in that, Right? But let's think about that for a minute. How Runkle in his book, Scream Free Parenting, he says this. He says, the more we engage in thoughtful wishing, the more we find ourselves drawn to actions today that have the best chance of producing the results we want tomorrow. And so Runkle calls it beginning with the end in mind. Beginning with where we want to be and, and trying to get there. It's like when you go on a trip, right? This is pretty basic. When you go on a trip, you, you put in your GPS where you want to go, and it tells you where to start at now so that when you get, you get to where you want to be, right, you're not just wandering around aimlessly. You actually get somewhere. 
Donald Miller, who wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz and a lot of other books, but it, I heard him talk in chapel one day, and he, he said, I had this lady come to me, and a young lady come to me, and she was about to go on a trip somewhere, some exotic place, and she was going to go do some vacationing. And she said, she asked him, she said, Donald, what can I do to not make missteps? What can I do so that I don't make bad choices and end up with poor decisions in my life? And, and he asked her, he said, what do you want the story of your life to look like? When you get to the end of time, what do you want your story? What, what is your thought pattern? When you look at the end and you say, okay, this is where, when I write the story of my life, this is what I want it to look like when I get to the end of my life. And he says, when you figure out what that is, don't put things in your story that will get you there. I read, I can't remember where I read it, but there was a guy I read and he said, don't, he said, be careful of who you put, who you give chapters in your book. Be careful of who you give access to your life because they write stories. They'd be part of your life, writing the story of your life. Don't put people in your life. Don't put chapters in your life that don't lead you to where you want to be. And so life every day when we get out of bed, life has to be about living not just reacting and not just surviving, right? When I get out of bed in the morning, there has to be something more than just surviving today. There has to be more than just, okay, man, if I can just make it to the weekend, whew, it'll be okay. If I can make it to the next holiday, whew, things will be all right. If I can make it to my next vacation, oh, I'll be okay. You see, there has to be a why in life. Because when there's a why in life, when there's a, a, a place you're trying to get to, then you live with the end in mind. You are thoughtfully wishing for where you want to be. And so when you have a why, you determine the things you're going to do today to make sure that you get to where you want to be at the end. I was listening to a podcast. Say, is anybody familiar with Eric Thomas? His ET is what it goes by. He's called the hip-hop pastor, and you can find him on um, lots of outlets, lots of social media. But he was being interviewed on this podcast I was doing. He said, you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're alive. So live like you're dead. And he said, give the people in your life, I caught a bug, give the people in your life the things they need now. Do the things that your life needs now because you're going to be dead a lot longer than your life. So live like you're dead now. Live like where you want to be is where you are today so that you can do the things today to get to where you want to be. And see, when we live with the end in mind, it changes how we act today. It changes who I let have pages in my book. It changes who I let have chapters in my book or impact in my life. It changes my perspective, if you will, which, which is key. And here's the thing, whether you consciously choose what you're living for, you choose something. And for most of us, it's the path of least, the path of least resistance. Because most of us are getting up in the morning going, Woo, if I can just get through today. So what are you living for today? Are you living for the end, what you want to be, where you want to be? Are you living for the present? And you see, there's a delicate balance there because you don't want to become so focused on the end result that you're no good now. You don't become so focused on now that you're no good at the end. And so there's, there's got to be something in the midst of that that helps you live in the tension of today as you look to the future. Because if we don't put things in our life today that get us where we want to be, we won't get there. Toby Mack, after what he went through, 
He wrote a song that says, you are the goodness in my life, and I want the world to know. I want to tell the world. I want to show the world. So what does it have to do with Paul and Timothy, where we're going to be today and next week? I'm glad you asked. Paul and Timothy had a really close relationship. Do a little history background, right? Paul and Timothy, Timothy had a mentor like no other, right, in, in Paul. Like he was given so much good stuff in such a short amount of time, but with all that good stuff became a lot of responsibility for Timothy. And Timothy gets another letter from Paul or gets a letter from Paul, and he's like, okay, what's now? And, and Paul goes into this talking about a charge to Timothy about what Timothy needs to do about this task that he's got. And I'm not sure that, the, that what we're going to talk this morning is so much about the task that he was given. See, we like to focus in certain books of the Bible. We like to focus on what was said that matches the story we want to tell, right? And so I want us to look carefully at this passage and see what the why is behind what Paul was driving Timothy to or what Paul was telling Timothy to. See, like that, that's our life lesson, right? There's always a why. There's always something behind us pushing us forward. And it's important to have whys. And it's important for people to know whys. I got, I got boys that are 8 and 10, and my youngest, who is, whew, he's a lot sometimes. But let me tell you what doesn't work with him, because I said so. It doesn't work. And in reality, it shouldn't work. If I want to raise adults versus raising children... I need to make sure I'm giving them the right information. See, right now I'm reading Harold Runkle's Scream Fee Parenting book, and I'd recommend it for anybody with kids. And it's about, again, making choices now to make sure that my kids are where they need to be when they're adults. So that I make intentional choices now to help them become adults, not help them become adult-sized children, which is what I'm afraid we're dealing with a lot in our society. And get outside the family. If you want somebody to follow you, if you're a leader at work, if you're a leader in here, if you want somebody to follow you, saying because I said so is never going to get you where you need to be. There's got to be a why behind that, and it's an important part of the process to tell what that why is. So in 1 Timothy 3, Paul says, I, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. And so in Ephesus, there was this small church. Paul was going all over the known world to him, preaching the gospel, telling everybody about God, bringing everybody to Jesus. And it was, he was an itinerant, right? He wasn't, he wasn't a located preacher. He was going here and he would establish. He would go there and establish. And there and establish. And then he was leaving really, really young churches behind him to kind of survive. And that's a bad... It's a bad place to be in, unfortunately, because young churches are ripe for the picking. You've got these... These people who are, who are fresh and, and are engaged and they want more knowledge and they want to be led. And, and so, unfortunately, you've got people walking around out there that are just bad people. And they're looking for ways to, bet, to, to gain power and to bet, gain control and to gain wealth. We talked about that a lot, right? And those things that keep us from God and keep us from following God. And there's always people out there trying to find those things. And Paul had no choice but to try and head those things off as he left Timothy there. Because again, because Timothy had a really good mentor, and he's like, look, Timothy, you can do this. This is what I need you to do. And just for reference, if you're into this stuff, so this is Ephesus here. 
modern-day Italy, Greece. And so this is where Paul was traveling through all this area. This is where the church began. It had been spread everywhere. And so Paul was traveling all over this area trying to establish churches and leaving them behind. And so you had this small group of believers that were trying to hold on to what Paul taught them, and some were trying to take that power, and some were trying to take that control. And they were using things like position and knowledge to gain power and to gain control. And so he says, in verse 4 there, he says, Or to devote, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversy, controversial speculations rather than advance God's work, which is by faith. And so we back up, we start to unpack this. He talks about myths and genealogies. These are things that we don't necessarily tread with today, but it was a real thing then. Back then, myths were a, a big deal. You had a whole group of people back then that were called the Gnostics, and they were people that, that thought that they, they told people that God had given them the information, and only they had it because God had given it to them. So they knew. And so they became this small sect, this small pe- people that were, that were no, in the know because God had given it directly to them and to nobody else. They became prestigious, and so they could easily gain sway over a young church by convincing them that, hey, you know what? God's told me I know what, so let's listen to what I have to say. And then you had genealogies, which were all about power and position. It's one of those, do you know who I am? My dad started this school. My dad started this business. My, my dad started this church. And you see, it's instant credibility. If I can convince you that I am part of a power structure that is bigger than you, that has more knowledge than you, and all of a sudden I can lead you anywhere you want to go because I believe wholesale that this is who you are and that you should be listened to. And so the end result is you had these young churches in Ephesus and other places that were being led away from what, God had, from what Paul had been teaching them. And he says, rather than advancing God's work. And what's God's work? To reconcile the world back to himself. Inviting the world into relationship with him through Jesus, not jockeying for position, not trying to gain power and control, but it's about bringing back to where the world needs to be. That's what God was doing. He was trying to reconcile creation. That was what he was, Paul was teaching. That's what he was inviting everybody back to. And he said, it's by faith. It's not about sight. It's not about proving that I'm worth something because I have knowledge. It's not about gaining your trust because I can say, well, this is my dad and this is his dad. I I appreciate books like Case for Christ. I think the author of that is Lee Strobel. I, I appreciate those books. But at the end of the day, faith is about choosing to believe in spite of, not because of what I can see. You understand the difference? Faith is about choosing to believe in spite of, not because of, what I can see, feel, hear, and touch. Another one of C.S. Lewis quotes that's kind of come to us through the ages. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not not only because I see it, but because I see everything else. The conversation doesn't end there. Paul says the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. I spent my entire life hearing the books of First and Second Timothy taught from a very particular mindset, with a lot of conviction, 
but often with very little love. There's a lot here that we can beat people over the heads with, but the why for Paul is faith in God that brings about love. And again, loops back to our lie. It's, it's not about having power and control. It's about being driven by love. And I think that's when Paul talks about Timothy and his role and what he's doing and how he's, you know, Timothy's a young man and he's going to go up against these old guys that are trying to run these churches and Paul wants to make sure that Timothy has a good grasp on what his motivation is. Like, what's my motivation here? Your motivation isn't to put them in their place so they can know that they are not right. Your motivation is what God's motivation is, which is reconciling the world back to him. Faith in God and that produces love. Produces love. And love is not some fantastical idea that can only be achieved when we get to the end of times. Like, well, I'll love everybody when I'm renewed and I'm put back with God and I'll feel like I can love everybody and I don't have all this extra baggage. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying this love is informed by, inspired by, and driven by our faith in God, our relationship with God. And this has been said in a lot of different ways. No one of those sayings that's been drawn through the ages. I don't care, personally, I don't care how much you know, how much you think you know, or how important you think you are, if you are not driven by, and if love is not a hallmark of your life. If love is not your motivator, if love is not my motivator, if love is not Timothy's motivator, he is not going to get anywhere with this young church, nor with these people who are trying to control these young churches. And I think that's the why for Paul. Paul is now living his life rooted in faith in God through Jesus Christ, and that's the right place. And so he's trying to, from there, bring other people to that and draw other people to that. And this love that Paul talks about, it seems so simplistic, but it's also so difficult at the same time because he says it's a love that comes from a pure heart. It's love that comes from a, a good conscience. It's a love that comes from a sincere faith. I'm like, Paul, I can work on one of these, but you know the other two are going to have to wait. Paul, I can get here, but I can't get there. It's just not in the cards right now. And the task seems insurmountable. But again, Scripture builds on top of each other, right? If you go back into, into something Jesus said from Matthew chapter 18, where he brought, he brought a little child, and he said a little child in, in the midst of all these people as they were trying to shoo the children away, he said, Truly I tell you, listen to me, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. You see, love like God is calling us to, faith like God is calling us to, is a difficult task when we carry around what the world is jading us with. Because the world, society, whatever word you want to put there, is working very hard on us to keep us separated as people and keep us divided as people and to keep us from loving each other. Because love requires us to be vulnerable. Love requires us to enter into a relationship with each other in such a way that we trust each other and that we live together in community. Can you imagine how hard it was for Paul to do this? Paul went from being the great persecutor of the church to being the great proclaimer of the church. He was one of those ones that could have stood up whenever they talked about genealogy and been like, do you know who I am? You remember Gamaliel? I was Gamaliel's guy. Like I sat at his feet and I learned and I listened from him. I was a Jew's Jew. I am the man. You should be listening to me. 
But when Paul came face to face with Jesus, everything changed. The why in his lifetime. Before meeting Jesus, the why in his life was to get rid of this miserable sect that was in, infecting the Jewish nation. And so, But Paul had to unpack all that baggage. He had to get rid of all that stuff that he was carrying, all that weight that he carried, so that he could become what God had called him to, so he could become what God was calling him to on a daily basis. And he had to live with a different end in mind. He had to do different things today so that he could get to a different place in the end. He had to become like, like a child again. And even, I believe here, he points out himself here in verse 7 where he says, they want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking about and what they so confidently affirm. Again, I believe he's talking about himself there. So once again, we're faced with a question. What is the end you're living for in your life? What is the why... When you're raising your kids, when you're raising your family, when you're thinking about your, your marriage, the, the bond in your marriage, when you're thinking about how you go about how you live your work life, when you're thinking about all the things that you do on a daily basis, what is the why, what draws you, what drives you? Because we're called to a faith in life that creates this love that's opposite of what the world pulls us to. That's opposite of what the world is constantly pulling us to. A love that is noted by a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And so if we decide that that's where we want to go and that's where we want to be, we have to make intentional choices today so that we will get there one day. Because if you don't ever do nothing, what are you going to get? Nothing. Same podcast I was listening to, the guy was like, there's... A hundred people listening to this podcast are sitting home on their couch and they want to do something different, but they're sitting at home on the couch. It does you no good. It does me no good if I come in here every Sunday and I fellowship and I, and I commune with everybody and I just let whatever said, whatever happened, roll off my back and go back out there in the world and, and, and not let it impact me. See, we have to start living with thoughtful wishing. We have to start ordering our lives in a way that God is at the center not me. And that's one of the hard things, right? It's, I have to give up the throne of my life, which is the really hard thing. I cannot speak to the life that Toby Mac is living today. There's a really heartfelt interview on, on YouTube. You can go out there and search and find and listen to him talk about and listen to him talk about writing this, story, this song we heard this morning. So you can go kind of listen to that for yourself. But... But if the end in mind is life with God, then I have to reshape what I'm doing today. I can't imagine what Toby Mac's gone through. But personally, I cannot imagine going through anything like that without God. And so I'm doing my best, and sometimes I'm not doing a good job of it. Some days I really do a bad job of it. But I'm doing my best to order my life in a way that will bring me to that end. 
that will bring me to a place where I have faith in God that allows me to love people the way I ought to love people, that, that invites me to be part of other people's lives and invites other people to be part of my life because that's what's important and that's what we should be about as followers of Christ. So the question you have to answer this morning is, what is your why? What about you? What, if somebody were to sit down and take stock of your life, or if somebody knew you well would sit back and look at you, what would they say your why is in life? That's the hard one, right? That's one inviting somebody else to say, okay, when you look at my life, what do you see? Ask, ask somebody who will tell you the truth, not just tell you what you want to hear. And I think we'll be surprised what we hear. And so I encourage you, I encourage you to make decisions, to make choices, to order your life in such a way that in the end, you get to where God is calling you to be. Pray with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this group of people that have gathered here. And, and Father, I pray that, that the words that have come today will be a benefit. Father, help us to see past the day in and the day out drudgery of life. Help us to see past what's going on right now to what you're calling us to and help us live our lives now as if that is a reality already. Help us order our lives now so that the world will see and the world will be invited into it. Help us to love like you've called us to love and to be people of faith like you've called us to be people of faith and to lean on you and only on you. Walk with us this day. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.